This is the story of Jonah. God came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from God. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard. Then God sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I am fleeing God, who wanted me to go to Nineveh. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Now God sent, provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He apologized for running away and begged for God's forgiveness. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of God came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Jonah's saga has long been ammunition for biblical skeptics and a challenge to some fundamentalist believers. Small wonder that it was a point of contention for Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryant in the Scopes trial of 1925. After skirmishing about whether the Bible says big fish or whale, they engaged in this exchange. Mr. Darrow, are you not prepared to say whether that fish was made specially to swallow a man or not? Brian, well, the Bible doesn't say so. I'm not prepared to say. Darrow, but do you believe he made them, that he made such a fish and that it was big enough to swallow Jonah? Brian, yes, sir. Let me add. One miracle is just as easy to believe as another. Darrow, just as hard? Brian, it is hard to believe for you, but easy for me. A miracle is a thing performed beyond what man can perform. 
When you get beyond what man can do, you get within the realms of miracles. And it is just as easy to believe the miracle of Jonah as any other miracle in the Bible. So what do others say about Jonah? Here's John Buren's take. He was the president of the UUA. John writes, it speaks well for the editors who finally assembled the literary prophets that they knew the need for a little redemptive humor. The story of the prophet Jonah provides some. The story is meant to be funny, a point that's often lost on those who take it literally. If you enter meaning of Jonah into an internet search engine, you'll get more than 73,000 hits with a wide range of opinion of Jonah's meaning. The webpage of the Episcopal Daily Office finds message as well as humor, and they write, For this partly humorous story, a very sublime lesson may be drawn. Jonah stands for a narrow and vindictive mentality, all too common among the Jews of the period. Because they were the chosen people, a good many of them cultivated an intolerant nationalism which limited the mercy of God to their nation. It was abhorrent to their way of thinking that nations as wicked as Assyria should escape his wrath. The prophecy, which is both instructive and entertaining, strikes directly at this viewpoint. It is a parable of mercy, showing that God's threatened punishments are but the expression of a merciful will which moves all men to repent and seek forgiveness. So brief as it is, the book of Jonah offers a large example of the strength and diversity of reactions to the Bible around the globe and through the centuries. It's interesting to think that there are funny things in the Bible. That story is, is pretty ridiculous. The story of Jonah and the great fish that kept him in his belly for three days and then vomited him up onto the beach. And it actually says that right there in the Bible that he right vomited him up right there on the beach. It's pretty it's a pretty ridiculous story. We all know we all know that it could not possibly have happened exactly the way it's written there. We all know that it, it could not possibly have happened literally the way Jonah wrote it down in the Bible. Because nobody, nobody would survive for three days in the belly of a fish, much less a whale. Nobody would survive getting eaten, getting eaten by, by a great sea creature in the middle of the ocean. Just, it just wouldn't happen. So we know, we know that that story didn't literally happen the way that it's written. But the question I have for you, is there some truth in that story, though? Even if it's not true, is there some truth in that story? And you might be sitting here, there going, well, what's the difference? And I think to think about the difference, the easiest way I know, when I was thinking about this and how I would explain this, the easiest way I know to explain this is to rely on the great 21st century theologian Stephen Colbert. Um, how many of you are familiar with the great 21st century theologian Stephen Colbert? 
Well, if, if, you, if you know Stephen Colbert, who is a, a comedian by nature, and if you are a regular fan of his show, as I am, you might be familiar with the word that he introduced us to in the very first episode of his show, which is now like seven or eight years ago. It doesn't seem like it should be that long ago, but it's a pretty long time ago. And in the very first episode of his show, he introduced us to a word called truthiness. How many of you have heard that word, truthiness? So if something isn't true, maybe it's truthy, right? Maybe it has a little bit of truthiness to it. And and he meant this as a funny word. He meant this as a funny word because we have a society where people ignore the facts all the time. People ignore reality all the time and think that things are true because we feel them in our gut. We feel them in our gut. They must be true like because they seem true to us, right? And so he meant it as a joke. He meant it to make fun of a society where people ignore facts and think that things are true just because they feel them in their gut. And in fact... You know, he actually is more of a theologian than um, he's often given credit for. He thinks a lot about religion. And I think that he meant this word in part as a joke on people who read things in the Bible, such as the book of Jonah and the story that that Paul told us earlier is right from the Bible. Um, It's right there written in the Bible. It's the book of Jonah. It's one of the prophets in the Hebrew scriptures. And there are people who read that and say, someone put it in my Bible. So it must be true exactly the way it was written and put in this book. Or else why would someone have put it in this book? And there are a lot of people who think that way. That everything that's written in that book must be exactly true, literally true, exactly the way it was written. And they take it as true just because it's in that, in that book. And they ignore the facts that are in evidence, especially the fact that no one could survive for three days in the belly of a fish. But it must be true, right? We feel it in our gut. This is a book we think is true, so we feel it in our gut. And so he meant this word truthiness to make fun of people who think things are true when they're not necessarily true. But I think that there's another layer to truthiness. I think there's another layer, and I think that as Unitarian Universalists, we need to embrace that other layer of truthiness. Stephen Colbert might be really mortified that Unitarian Universalists are embracing his joke theology. But go with me for a minute. Unitarian Universalists, for a long time, in our history, for a very long time, we've prided ourselves on using our brains, on on thinking through things, on looking at the facts and and making really reasoned, well-thought-out judgments about things. We look at a story and we go, well, you know, it couldn't have happened that way. It's not not true. Um, We use our brains a whole lot. In, as Unitarian Universalists. And that is, that's a really good thing, that we use our brains, that we think things through, that we pay attention to facts, that we use our reason, that, that you know, 
we have to we have to make sure that things are actually possible before we'll believe that they're true. But sometimes things have meaning to them, even when they're not true. Things are truthy because we feel that there must be something right about them. I don't know how many of you have ever heard the phrase that something resonates with me. You know, like the sound of a bell, a bell rings and the sound resonates in the air. A lot of people will say, well, that, that story, that story resonates with me. It's a, it's a word that you might hear at some point if you haven't already. Well, what someone is saying when they say that something resonates with them is that there's some part of that story that actually explains some part of our actual experience in this world that seems like it makes some sense out of the actual experience that we've had in this world. And so I think that there are parts of the story of Jonah and the whale that can resonate with us, even if they're not true. Maybe we can feel in our gut that something about them makes a little bit of sense. And so, you know, you rightly pointed out that one of the messages from Jonah is do what you're told. And certainly the people who wrote that book in the Bible wanted people to do what they were told. They had, they had a, a, an interest in getting people to do what they were told, mostly because they were the ones telling the people what to do. Right? They had an interest in that. But I think it goes a little bit beyond that. The story of Jonah is the story of a man who had a purpose in his life. He felt a purpose. And whether that purpose was given to him by a conversation with God or just by some feeling in his gut, he knew what he was supposed to be doing in the world. He knew that there was the city of Nineveh where people were not very nice to one another. People were really rather mean to one another. And he knew that teaching them a better way would be a great service to them. He also knew, he also knew that it would be really hard. He knew that teaching them to be nice to one another, to care for one another, to come together as a community, he knew that it would probably take his entire life and that at first when he got there they wouldn't listen to him and he, it would be really hard for him to, to find a place to live in Nineveh because nobody would want to listen to someone telling them to do things differently. He knew, he knew that it would be hard when he got to Nineveh. But he knew. He knew that he could do it. And he knew that it would be a really good thing to do because here was this beautiful city of people where, where the people were just not being good to one another. They, and, and they were having wars with the people around them. It was really, it was ugly. And so he felt in his gut, he felt in his heart that he had a purpose in the world. But he knew that fulfilling that purpose, actually following that purpose, would not be an easy thing to do. And so he resisted it. He did other things 
with his life. He resisted, you know, and meanwhile, you know, he'd get the newspaper, if they had newspapers in those days, you know, the tablets would come on the pony. I don't know exactly how people got news in those days. The scroll, maybe you shared it with a friend. I don't know. He, you know, he certainly didn't get the Nineveh Times on his iPad. But he'd get the news from Nineveh, and the news from Nineveh was not good. The people in Nineveh were not getting any better to one another, but he was resisting. No, no, you know, someone else will do that. Someone else will do it. I want to go for a cruise. I'm going on a cruise. Someone else can go to Nineveh. Um, I'm sailing the sea. But eventually, eventually he knew that he had to do that. He knew that whatever else was going on in his life He had to go there, and he had to help the people of Nineveh be nicer to one another. And I agree, the story would be a much better one if they told a lot about what he did when he got there. Because that, to me, is really the interesting part of the story, right? How did he actually get the people of Nineveh to listen to him? How did he convince them to be nicer and better to one another? That really is the interesting part, and really it's like three sentences, in the Bible. They don't really get into that. He just sort of says, yeah, and I went to Nineveh and I convinced them to all be good to one another and to follow the laws of God and everyone was happily ever after. He spends a lot of time in a fish to get, you know, for three sentences in Nineveh. But I think that part of the message that is true about the book of Jonah is that each of us deep down within, feels like maybe we have a purpose in our world. Or if we spend enough time listening to those voices deep down within us, we might feel called to do something in our world. And often those things are hard. Often those things are really not very easy. And we resist them. We resist them because they're not easy things to do. And we'd rather go on a cruise than make society better or teach in, in, a, in a particularly difficult situation or help people who are struggling in this world. We'd rather just go on a cruise and forget it all. But the story of Jonah teaches us that we need to not ignore those higher purposes that we are meant to pursue in our lives. And so today I ask you to spend some time, maybe, thinking about what it is that you are resisting doing because it just, it just seems too hard. Maybe it's making peace in your family or maybe it's helping some people who really need help or creating a better world that we live in? What is it that you are feeling you can do but you'd rather go on a cruise, if truth be told? Because if you go on the cruise, you might end up in a fish. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody wants that. May it be so.